Not all people are created the same. And today we dive into personalized medicine and how understanding your body can make you a better leader. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. Len May is the CEO and co-founder of Endocana Health Incorporated. Len brings more than 25 years of cannabis and genomics experience to Endocana Health, and he is the current chair of the CBDIA Science Board and is a stakeholder in some of the industry's most iconic brands. Len holds a Master's of Medical Cannabis and a Certificate of Endocannabinoid Formulation from the Institute for the Advancement of Integrative Medicine. He is also a published author of the book, Making Cannabis Personal, and the host of the popular Everything is Personal podcast. Len, welcome to Unbound. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. I, you know, I just learned something. I think I need to uh, like shrink my bio because that like cuts into <laughs> the conversation too long. Yeah, some of it's a mouthful. The uh, <laughs> exactly. advancement of integrative medicine. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't do anything. Yeah, I can. I aim. That's it. From I aim. <laughs> it's the acronym. Go. Save time. Yep. Uh, well, welcome to the show. Thank let's, you. Uh, let's kick off with your origin story. Yeah. I'm, uh, so I, I, I have to preface that I had a weekend full of Metallica conference, uh, concerts uh, this weekend. So I'm still <laughs> like uh, recovering from, uh, from that. Two shows, which were incredible at SoFi in LA. But uh, my origin story is, uh, you know, when I was a kid, and maybe some people can relate to that. I would go to class and I would try to focus and then all these thoughts would pop in my head and they float. And, uh, you know, I was diagnosed with ADD and I was putting off prescription medication and, uh, you know, some of it worked. I can't say it didn't, but I actually took out for me any feelings that I had. So I would feel like a robot basically. And, uh, so I was hanging out with some older kids one day. Uh, before school, and they asked me if I wanted to smoke a cigarette. I was like, uh, yeah, you know, I'll hang out with the cool kids, smoke a cigarette. It was a cool thing to do. Never questioned why they only have one cigarette, but okay. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so they pass the cigarette around. It gets to me. I take a drag and inhale. I, I dabbled in cigarettes at that time and tasted weird. And I took another one. I kind of coughed a little bit, and they're all laughing at me. Like what? And I said, "Oh, you know, it's uh, you feel anything?" I'm like, kind of, and uh, it was cannabis. They put cannabis in the in the cigarette. But when I went back to class, all the windows in my head sort of shrunk, and I could focus. So I never mentioned it to anybody. But uh, you know, I would try to get cannabis uh, as often as I can. Yes, it was fun hanging out with friends, but also it worked for me in that way. And what happened was. Uh, you know, my parents kept catching me and eventually they ended up, uh, you know, kicking me out of the house, actually calling the cops on me, having, trying to have me arrested. The irony of this is my parents both consume uh, formulations that we manufacture now. Uh, but in doing so through my journey, just to kind of uh, make it a little shorter, I discovered that uh, other people are using uh, cannabis for their medicinal uh, challenges. I had a rally at Independence Hall in Philadelphia with this uh, keynote speaker who was uh, uh, using it under a government program uh, for glaucoma. So I started really seeing that there is a way for people to use cannabis in a more personalized way 
for their own symptomatic conditions. I moved to mm-hmm. Los Angeles about you know 15 years ago or so and got into this dispensary business. And one of the things I started seeing is two people will consume the same chemical variety and have a complete different experience. So my ED kicked in the hyper-focus mode and I was like, all right, I need to figure out what this is. And a lot of it had to do with the genetics of the plant. So we were naming things, different strains, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. that really didn't have a lot of meaning to that. And then when we actually started looking at the genetics of the plant, there are uh, cannabinoids and terpenes that are specific uh, to that plant. So understanding that first, so the genetics of the plant. And then I started wor- uh, focusing on human genetics. Uh, so working with uh, a company that was uh, doing pharmacogenomics, which is how different drugs uh, affect your body and how drug inter- drugs interact together. So like the light bulb moment was, well, we have plant DNA here, we have human DNA here. Let's bring those two together to create a personalized experience and uh, launched uh, Endocana Health in 2017. The uh, first six months, all we did was research. We looked at every single genetic biomarker that had direct or indirect association with, the, association with the endocannabinoid system. Once we did that, we have our kit. It's uh, called EndoDNA test, which uh, you swab, you register, and mm-hmm. you ship it over to our lab. And uh, we can get into that in more detail. But basically, that's uh, the origin story in a nutshell. So... I mean, we're going to go into a lot of probably the science and everything mm-hmm. uh, through this episode. Uh, but I want to start on just how how does your company actually like analyze someone's DNA so that you can create a personalized health plan for them? Yeah. So and I'm glad you said analyze the DNA because now it's it's looking at your genetics and looking at your whole genome. But first, we start looking at the genetics that have an association with your endocannabinoid system. And there's two ways that we do that. Number one is first we partnered with a company called Illumina. So Illumina built a custom chip for us. So when we talk about a chip, it actually is a physical chip. And the way that it works is it picks up uh, different uh, combinations of uh, nucleotides in your in your genotype on what's called a single nucleotide polymorphism. And, uh, and I'll get into uh, what that really means, but it's a genetic biomarker uh, from your gene. And uh, then it picks those up and it shows you what your specific nu- nucleotide combination is, which is your genetic predisposition. And genes communicate in four letters, like a uh, computer talks in a binary code, ones and zeros, and we have a, and mm-hmm. genes do that in four letters, a C, a T, an A, and a G. Those combination, those letters are your genetic encoding. That's your genetic predisposition. So first we have that chip, then we have our kit, and the way it works is uh, we're HIPAA, GDPR compliant. You would take the kit, you would swab the inside of your cheek, you would register. Uh, if you do not register, we'll never know that that information belongs to you. It's de-identified. And then you ship that over to our lab. It'll take two to four weeks to get your results. And I can go into you know what the results look like. Another way to do it is, uh, is to use the raw data from any other DNA test you may have. So if you've taken a 23andMe or an Ancestry.com or a Family Tree DNA, any one of those, you can download your raw data, upload it to our portal. We'll translate in about 30 seconds and provide your report as well. Right, which is what we did for, for mine. Yeah. So for all listeners, I actually got to see what the uh, the end result is and what kind of the plan, I guess, for, for my health, what I could be doing with this data. Um, so we'll, we'll get into some of that as well. 
but actually, let's talk about what are some of the insights that someone can can pull out once you uh, once you've analyzed everything. Yeah, well, I think people think that this is a test to tell them which weed to smoke to get some most high or whatever. It's nothing to do with that. So first of all, we have a patent. Uh, we have several, but the one on our technology is for the use of DNA to make recommendations associated with the endocannabinoid system. And we can establish what we mean by the endocannabinoid system, because I don't think it'll help people to understand what the recommendations are. Uh, when we met with the FDA, they asked us, what is the purpose of your test? And we said to help people either mitigate or avoid a possible adverse event. So that is the basis of what we do. It's to be able, uh, think about it as your personalized GPS, so you can sort of avoid those potholes that are in the road. And what people can learn is uh, what genetic predispositions they have, the certain symptomatic conditions that may be associated with why people use uh, you know, phytocannabinoids in the first place. So things like uh, stress and anxiety, mood, uh, sleep uh, challenges, uh, inflammatory conditions, uh, even things like vitamin nutrient deficiencies, et cetera. Uh, the other thing that we look at is, is metabolic function, which I think is is extremely important to dosing of any kinds. Uh, it's, you know, why do people tell, why do doctors say, you know, take two of these for everybody? Well, maybe I need four of these. Maybe I need one of these. So there's a difference between how people consume and dose based on how they metabolize. And the other thing is interaction between substances. So if you're consuming a substance like uh, when I had COVID uh, the first time, I would take 14 different supplements. Well, how do they interact together? Is one an inducer of another? Is one an inhibitor of another? So understanding your own personalized experience with how you consume different types of products, different medications, different drugs, that is really what we focus on. So it's it's actually you know what to take, how much to take, and then which products more align with you uh, including those supplements, et cetera, uh, based on the re test results. And nobody should buy any product without a test result first, but based on test results, you look to see what it's called certificate of analysis. And then you run that through an algorithm to show you what the percentage match that specific product is based on your genetic predispositions. And so when we did my test, uh, like one of the results that came back, which, so I've never smoked before. I've never had any form of cannabis, um, just because of my service in the, the military and stuff. But the, uh, I think it was surprising to see that my stress and anxiety could actually be increased by, by trying it, which would be the reason I would try to, to have it to actually decrease those. Mm -hmm. and so knowing that I could have that reaction means I need to go about it in a much more like deliberate, you know, kind of planned out, mm -hmm. um, sequence, which I thought was interesting that you can get from the, uh, test. I think the other Insightful piece was was looking at the metabolites and how fast I can actually metabolize. Because for the longest time, I've known that when a doctor prescribes me, you know, ibuprofen or something like it's not going to do anything for me. Like it took three doses of morphine after a hiking accident before I felt anything, and I didn't realize it's because oh my DNA is actually you know at play here, causing this. And so like the idea that doctors are prescribing just that one blanket, you know, no, everybody takes two. It's like, well, they're a hundred pounds and I'm 220, right? Like uh, just that on its own should be different. But the, the fact that your, your DNA does actually have a say shows the value of, of knowing that. Have you guys had, I guess, getting doctors to listen to that advice? Have you had any success there? Do you have to go to like private 
doctors to make this happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, doctors definitely uh, subscribe to Notion. I would say uh, healthcare professionals are more, uh, I would say, functional uh, medical professionals. They subscribe more to a a protocol that is focused on the root cause. And when when you look at root cause versus, you know, my elbow hurts, let me inject your elbow. Well, wait a second. What is the root cause of why my uh, elbow hurts? Maybe it's an inflammation of something that I consume that my immune system is overreacting to, and it just so happens that my inflammation is coming out and my elbow joint. You know, so these are the things that have to be focused. Um, and and you talked about you know uh, weight, etc. So I can tell you that the original, and I'm I'm going back to. Uh, phytocannabinoids. The original recommendation from the Israeli Green Book, uh, which Israel basically started the medical program uh, of citizens and and uh, you know tracking the results of how medicinal cannabis works. So their recommendation was milligram per kilogram of weight. Well, that doesn't really work because I'll give you an example. So my business partner is a larger, heavier man than me, and he's a poor metabolizer. I'm a rapid metabolizer, or let's say of CBD, which is not intoxicating. Well, if I'm using that as my supplement and I'm getting a milligram, uh, which is what's recommended for me, well, I'll metabolize it really quickly, create really expensive urine, pee it out, and it won't work for me the same way. Same thing with THC, which has a really narrow therapeutic window, and that's the euphoric part. Well, if somebody, if my business partner would take the same amount, let's say it's an edible, Right, and who would take the same amount as me? He would have a much slower onset, a much longer onset, a much more powerful onset. Now, if he has the stress markers for stress reactivity or PTSD, etc., now he can have a very intense experience. And I know many people say, I, you know, cannabis is not for me because it makes me stressed, it makes me paranoid, it makes me creates anxiety. Well, if you know your genetic predisposition you can mitigate the epigenetic expression. So think about genetics as, and I already mentioned that it's your GPS, but think about it this way. When we're born, we have our half our uh, DNA from our mother, half from our father. That is the encoding. So think of it as a whole bunch of on-off switches. And as we, and some of them are turned on for us at birth, like our hair color, skin color, eye color, things of that nature. Other ones are turned on by lifestyle. So if you know your genetic predispositions, when you do certain things, like the food that you take in your body, supplementation, heavy metals, all these different things can affect the epigenetic expression of that. So that means that there's a there's a um, information that goes from your gene to a cell that tells it to create proteins to turn things on or off. Well, some things you may not want to turn on and some things you do. So understanding your personalized genetic predisposition to everything is key to be able to navigate through your own, you know, personalized health and wellness journey. Right. And that's really, uh, you know, why we do what we do. So essentially, we're a giant circuit breaker and you guys are <laughs> providing that little sheet that's taped to the side of the panel to make sure we know what to turn on. Yeah, I love that analogy, man. That I'm, I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. There we go. You don't even have to reference me. Cite me. It's fine. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but so I know, okay, a lot of, uh, a lot of people listening, business owners, business leaders, yeah. right? They're under a lot of stress. Commonly, they're fighting uh, burnout, cognitive decline, just chronic stress issues, things like that. How can 
personalized medicine, I guess, help them actually work through some of those things so they can show up better for their teams? Yeah. I mean, first of all, you said it right. Personalized medicine and personalized therapeutics. You have to understand what you're genetically predisposed to and what actually triggers stress. My mom always told me that, you know, stress is the root cause of disease. Well, I agree for the most part, but the, the question is how? How does the stress show up? Well, let, let's go through an example. I use the endocannabinoid system as an example of this. Uh, let's say that you're walking down the street and a car flies out, almost hits you. So you're going to have a response to that, you know, with fight or, fight or flight. And this is what happens mm-hmm. in, uh, in business as well. And we're just not noticing it as we travel throughout the day. So what happens is we have a neurochemical expression. So we have some uh, dopamine. Uh, we have some adrenaline. We have some norepinephrine. We have some cortisol. All that is pumped mm-hmm. into our bloodstream. Now, when our brain realizes no lion chasing us in the jungle, now it has to, two things happen. There's a reuptake of those neurochemicals, and our brain releases other neurochemicals to be able to get us to balance, which is called homeostasis, which is the role of the endocannabinoid system to maintain homeostasis within our bodies. And it gets signals from all the other systems in our bodies, takes that information up the central nervous system, like salmon swimming upstream, and makes and helps uh, the brain make decisions on which neurochemicals to fire off. So one of them, uh, if I, it happens to be anandamide. So anandamide, the word anand in, uh, in Sanskrit means bliss. So this is a bliss uh, molecule. And that is also uh, secreted when we consume delta-9 THC. So what happens in some people, just as an example, there is a gene called FA, fatty acid amide hydrolase. Well, that gene produces an enzyme that actually metabolizes anandamide. So for some people that don't know that they have a predisposition, they may be actually producing less anandamide than the average person. So if that happens, that cortisol can stay longer in your bloodstream and actually over time do several things. Reduce your pH level, make you more acidic. What happens with that? Your immune system can overreact to that. When it overreacts to that, it can create inflammation. We just talked about elbow, usually in your joints, ankles, knees, hips, uh, neck, back, etc., now, uh, if you have a predisposition to gut health issues, it can start moving into your gut health. How many executives, you know, are popping Rolaids or, you know, one of those antacids all the time? Well, it, your body's out of balance and stress is a huge indicator of that. So first of all, you have to listen to your body. You have to understand that something is going on. It's not normal to have headaches all the time. It's not normal for your neck to hurt all the time. It's not normal for us to wake up and have those aches and pains. So having a routine that includes personalized supplementation. What am I missing in my body? What's, what am I deficient in? Well, magnesium. Well, I can see the genetic predisposition to having less magnesium. Well, I'm epigenetically, uh, I'm not getting it from maybe my food source, so I have to supplement. So personalized supplementation is key. Uh, phytocannabinoids, perhaps as another supplementation, maybe a uh, Cannabidiol, which is anti-inflammatory, can actually help reduce some of those inflammatory markers. What else? Well, how about hormones? Uh, men, especially over 40, women too, uh, perimenopause, uh, premenopause, etc. we have to look at our hormone levels. And it's not just a blanket, hey, you know, guys should start taking some testosterone or something. It's about understanding what you, how much you're deficient in. And that makes a huge difference. 
uh, supplements, vitamins, you know, things like we talk about vitamin D, well, you know, the Bs, et cetera. You have to be un, uh, able to understand what you're personally deficient in. And if you're able to actually supplement your own uh, deficiencies, that's probably 75% of that. The other part of it is having a mindfulness practice. I mean, you have to be able to understand that you are under a great amount of pressure and stress all day. Um, I had a mentor years ago. Uh, I'm not sure if the audience uh, knows who Stephen Covey is, but I'll give you an example. There was a Franklin uh, back in the day before we had, you know, our, our computers, uh, not before we had computers, but before we had like our, our phones. <laughs> uh, I, I meant like uh, yeah. our, our day, we use a day timer. That's what I'm trying to say. We, we had our gotcha. notes that, that we, uh, we took. So uh, there was a Franklin Covey day timer. And, and, uh, and Stephen Covey talked about this method of how we manage things, this quadrant method. Uh, which uh, there's four different quadrants. The first quadrant is urgent, important. The second one is important, not urgent. The other one is uh, uh, urgent, not important. And the fourth one is not urgent, not important. What happens a lot of times to high-level executives or people who are running businesses, et cetera, they spend a lot of time in quadrant number one. Everything is urgent, important. So you're putting out fires and everything. And then what happens is your brain can't uh, engage that level all the time. So it actually disengages in a quadrant number four, which could be I'm on Instagram or something like that. So being right. able, being able to be strategic throughout your day and be able to, uh, you know, have a mindfulness practice, uh, be able to supplement personally. And then also, uh, you have to do something, move your body. Uh, so whatever it is that is your specific flow state, some people like to surf. Some people like to hike. Some people like to go to the gym. Whatever that is, to balance all those three things together and then come back and measure those things, that's the key. When I say measure, we focus on um, longevity a lot. We talk about living longer, but it's also living healthier. Because in the in the U.S., um, looking at the mortality rate, the last 15 to 20 years of people's lives are spent being sick or trying to fix that. So if you can actually expand your health span versus lifespan, look at your biological age and uh, work on those factors that are specific to you, I think you'll have a, a much better time with your day-to-day. -day. I think I want to want to quote Peter Atia for this one, uh, but the uh, the marginal decade, just looking at that last 10 years of your life, what do you want to be able to do? Like, okay, now let's, you know, you're not going to know when that last 10 years starts. But let's start planning for what that could look like, you know, so you're actually enjoying life. Uh, follow up question, though, because I thought of this when you were when you brought up magnesium. So like I'm deficient or I guess I have that predisposition to be deficient. So I already supplement with it. I had a friend who recommended a spray and this spray. You put it on your bottoms of your feet. Uh, the bottle says you need like 50 sprays uh, to do this. I was like, there's no way I'm doing that every night. Right. So I just take like magnesium glycinate, I think. But uh, this friend says he only does like three or four sprays and finds tremendous value in it every night, sleeps better, everything. Now, is there is there some sort of predisposition to how you intake certain supplements for like transdermal versus, you know, needing to ingest it? Does, you know, does that impact anything? Well, so. 
I don't, I don't know about, uh, you know, a product that is a dermal product that's supposed to be interacting into your bloodstream. I'm not sure how that can actually work. Uh, placebo, placebo does account for 25%, <laughs> yeah. at least. I would that's say even more. Who knows? I don't know. Voltaire had a quote about, you know, uh, doctors are busy trying to cure you while the body, uh, trying to heal you while the body's, uh, you know, actually curing you uh, itself. Mm-hmm. So who, who knows? But uh, I, I think that method of consumption is important based in metabolic function. So if somebody is a, a poor metabolizer, maybe having sublingual delivery will bypass liver first pass and, and you can get it quicker into your bloodstream right. uh, or buckle delivery or something like that. Uh, uh, sublingual is under your tongue, buckles like where the jawbone is. Uh, some people who are poor metabolizers, you know, uh, consume consumed orally and then the liver takes a long time to metabolize us. Those things I can see, but, you know, spraying Mm -hmm. stuff on your feet, uh, unless you have some, uh, uh, porous, uh, absorption, I'm not sure how that would work. Okay. Just felt like I should ask, but that was actually a very insightful answer for, uh, just knowing that the mode of ingestion does can, uh, kind of change things. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk some of the limitations, of of doing a dna test and and pulling stuff up like where are we at right now with with what we can actually see and what we're still not able to yeah so there's a couple things diagnostic tests using dna are still not readily adopted in the united states so you can have for informational purposes but not specific diagnostic now there are some we've used BRCA genes for 50 years, which is a breast cancer predisposition gene for women. So there are some that are diagnostic tests, but very few. So more validated assays need to be published. And there's a lot, but the FDA has to get much more on board. Now, in other parts of the world, uh, they're much more readily used. The other thing is just because you have a genetic predisposition something to something doesn't mean you're epigenetically expressing that. So my thought was always you have to bookend the experience. And it's all about measuring. So you have a predisposition, like you were saying, magnesium, right? Well, uh, once you supplement, once you have a protocol, you have to go back and measure. Now, are you getting enough magnesium? And how do you measure? Well, there's different ways. There are epigenetic tests that, that measure uh, you know, methylation, methyl groups, et cetera. There's RNA tests. There's blood tests, plasma. The challenge with blood uh, is you're capturing a moment in time. Uh, so I went to get my physical and I get really stressed out when it comes to, you know, giving my blood. I don't know why I have tattoos. I'm not afraid of needles, but this whole thing. So uh, I told the doctor, uh, they know about it. And I, I went to get my blood test and uh, the woman's like, uh, uh, did you uh, drink anything? I'm like, no, I, I thought you're not supposed to eat or drink. Because no, 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 you're supposed to drink water. So she gave me like a little tiny bottle of water drank that and I go and I, and I give my blood test and then all of a sudden uh, I hear, hey, hey, you okay? And then uh, they come in and uh, they're giving me juice. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm okay. What happened? He goes, yeah, I thought you were passing out. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't realize that I was. Fine. We go, well, we, now we have to continue to do it again because I pull out the needle. I'm like, oh, shit, you have to do it again. Anyway, long story short is I got my, uh, got my results and my doctor's going over them. She goes, you have, uh, it seems like you have high blood sugar on this test. Everything else looks great. Well, high blood sugar. She goes, I'm not sure what it is. I'm not really worried about it because all your other markers are in place. 
And she goes, if you're concerned about it, I'll prescribe a glucose monitor. I said, yeah, I'm, I definitely want to check it out. So I wore a glucose monitor. You put it like on your arm or whatever it is, yeah. and you measure your glucose levels. Glucose was great. Spiked a couple of times when I drank some weird coffee or something yeah. like that. But what I'm saying this is when they capture a moment in time, the stress level that I had from the actually giving the blood test, uh, doing the blood test, mm-hmm. spiked my blood glucose level. So if I were just capturing a moment in time and haven't had another blood test and everything was out of whack, they could have prescribed something to me, for me to reduce my blood sugar right. level, which was normal in just a moment in time. So the way to do it is you measure it in intervals. You have a predisposition, you have a protocol, you measure and you measure over time. And now you have sort of a timeline and you can see over the next six months to a year and now you can actually see what's working for you or not. Yeah, that I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Where I had a uh, blood clot came up from some unknown reason, just happened. Uh, but they did a blood test. Well, I mean, we did a lot of blood tests to try figuring out why I was having a blood clot. Uh, but like a, know, a month later, I was still like in the healing phase and like your cholesterol is really high. Uh, but it's like, but cholesterol should be repairing your veins and arteries and, and stuff, right? So like it makes sense that I would have high cholesterol, but like the, those two weren't pieced together and they wanted to prescribe me something. And I had to say like, no, I'm not going to take it. Like, because I think this is what's up. And finally we we're good. But yeah, it is interesting. The, uh, uh, looking at a moment in time versus the whole like holistic picture of that, uh, definitely matters. Yeah. And I think in functional medical professionals that that is really the key, uh, integrative functional, it's really the key to see, mm-hmm. well, if I'm doing something here, something else will show up. And, and if you really take a step back, you think about balance, right? So if you're going to load something on the seesaw and you're going to put a lot of weight, well, the other side is going to go up. You have to do something on the other side to balance it out. And if you're just getting, right. if you're just getting one intervention for one focus, something else is going to uh, be affected. So all that balance is key. And I, I forgot to mention in the, my diatribe on on uh, you know stress and all that stuff, how re- how important recovery is. It is like I and I'm not a good poster child for for sleep. I don't sleep uh, you know five six hours max, but I measure my quality of sleep, quality of sleep more than quantity. If I'm getting my really good you know delta theta really good quality of sleep, I feel better refreshed in in the morning. I can go throughout the day. If you're waking up. And you feel groggy, measure your sleep quality because that sleep quality is hugely important to be able to uh, recover during the day. And you're talking about stress and, and anxiety and all those other things. Well, if you're not getting good quality sleep, you can be agitated during the day. And as you sort of on this hamster wheel, and if you have predispositions to things like uh, bruxism, grinding your teeth, which we measure for, well, if you're doing that, well, guess what? You're not getting your good quality of sleep. And you're still on that hamster wheel. So being able to, you know, work hard, play hard, recover, and uh, you know, do things that make you happy. Right. Out of curiosity, what are you using to measure uh, sleep quality? So uh, we have our own uh, device. I use an Aura Ring too, but we have our own uh, device uh, called the Endolink device. Uh, so I, I use that uh, as well. Awesome. Uh, yeah, might be something to check out for me. I'm using a microphone on my phone that's next to the bed to just get like movement 
and stuff, and then it mm-hmm. order a ring to yeah. uh, to track it. And I think it gives me a pretty good idea, but it can't know my actual like state of sleep, right? The brain proper brain waves and stuff. So yeah, th- there's a company uh, that that created arts called BioStrap. They do they have a sleep lab. They do a pretty good job uh, on that uh, as well. But anything you can do, you, you can use your Apple Watch. Anything you can do to measure, but you also have to be honest right. with yourself. Feel you know your body. You're feeling when you wake up, you feel a bit off. Most likely, you didn't get good. You didn't get good quality sleep. Did you consume alcohol before? Well, the, all those factors affect your quality of sleep. So if you're doing that, once again, the seesaw. If you consumed, now you have to do something else to be able to recover. So maybe in a couple of days, you know, take some supplements, go out on a hike, you know, go by the ocean, breathe some ocean air, all those things help. Awesome. All right. Len, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I feel like you have a wealth of knowledge that we barely gone into. Uh, So let's first, uh, I'm going to ask where people can find you. But before we get into that, actually, and separate from your book, what do you recommend everybody give a read to? Huh, that's a it's a really man. I've I read so many different books. Actually, I'm gonna go back and say I do not read so many books. I use Audible uh, for so many books. Uh, so right now I'm finishing Jason Redman's book called Overcome. Uh, he's uh, a veteran who talks about how to overcome adversity. He got uh, injured, and uh, I think it's a fantastic book that I just finished reading. Um, it, Mel Robbins, take control of your life. I really think the way the audiobook was delivered, like therapy sessions, basically she gives you an insight into speaking to people in what they say. So you sort of you're sitting into a therapy session and then you see what the results of those are. Uh, I really thought that was uh, great. And the latest David Goggins book, I think it's called Never Finished. Fantastic uh, book, I thought. So those are the three that come to mind. I haven't listened to any of those, so I just added three books to my list. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I've said it before. It's a very personal or like selfish question. I just want more yeah, recommendations for books. So I keep asking. I'll, I'll send you my list. <laughs> um, so, what is next for you professionally? Um, one of the frustrating things that I've had over the years is. This uh, when you give somebody a protocol or recommendation, how do you know that they're going to implement that protocol? So, what I want to do is focus on clinics, have actual clinics that people go into or through telehealth, depending where they are, get the protocol, come back in, and we can measure for them. So, really, really get good specific information about efficacy of these protocols. So, that's sort of the next step. Uh, whole genome sequencing, we, we, which we just validated. Right now, we genotype uh, about 675,000 uh, genetic biomarkers, SNPs. You know, we're going to 64 million. So that's coming soon. And uh, our, and then tests that we already have in the can, uh, they're done. It's going to be uh, part of whole genome. So your endocannabinoid system, your personalized nutrient, your supplement. Uh, we have a women's health test. We have a men's health test. Uh, we have um, a mental health test and uh, a skin report. So all those are coming out as well. Wow. Man, that's awesome. Uh, I guess finally, where can people find you? Uh, well, my, our website's endodna, E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com. 
I'm on all social platforms, Lenmay, L-E-N-M-A-Y, but Instagram and Twitter, I think I'm Lenmay DNA. So you can find me anywhere there. Uh, my book is available on Amazon, Making Cannabis Personal. Uh, everything is personal podcast is wherever you get podcasts. And there's also videos in, uh, on yeah. YouTube. I speak all over the place. So if you, uh, if you see, if you follow me, you'll know where I'm, where I'm talking. If you happen to be in a city, then come, come see me, say hello. Yeah. And you can uh, probably find you at some Metallica concerts. Uh, you'll find me at, at, at live music venues around LA all the time. Awesome. All right. Hey, thanks for joining me. This has been great. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.